Hello, welcome to the edited version of Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. If you'd like to hear the full version of this conversation, then you can go to cosmicshambles.com slash bookshambles and become one of our Patreon supporters, uh, which you can do for as little as $1 an episode. That's one US dollar, and obviously it will depend on which of our economies is declining more, uh, how much that actually works out in pounds, uh, euros, etc. Hello, welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. And today I should say, uh, before we get started, that uh, Cosmic Shambles, uh, we are going to be doing a special event at the Royal Albert Hall on the 15th of June with Chris Hadfield and various, uh, there will be other astronauts. We have uh, guest bands and comedians and scientists. That's on the 15th of June. And also around that at the Albert Hall, in the smaller part of the Albert Hall, uh, Josie and I will be doing some recordings of book shambles as well with scientific and astronomical guests. Anyway, on with the show. Hello, welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles. Now, this is the second of two programmes that we recorded, and I say we, but I mean Robin recorded, in my absence when I was struck down with the norovirus very unfairly in my prime uh, for eight days of January. With And this is where it's absolute torture for me. It was with Jenny Landreth, who uh, is a friend of mine and is an incredible writer who writes about swimming and who loves cold swimming and who actually introduced me to a life of cold swimming so I was absolutely devastated to miss out on chatting to her and I know that Michael Legg replaced me and did a wonderful job but I I just don't think his uh, questioning re the swimming would have been as incisive and informed as mine. Um, Also Jenny Landris written a really great book about trees in London, famous trees of London. Um, She'll be talking about that shortly. Does she? Yeah. I miss the trees chat and the swim chat. Yeah, because Michael Legg's never had uh, Lyme's disease from uh, foolishly swimming across a river that he shouldn't have done. See, he's never had Lyme's. He's never had vials. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, here it is. Hello, welcome to Josie and Robin's Book Shambles. Josie is not very well, so she is not here and instead is replaced by another of my podcast partners, direct from Vitriola Music Podcast. Uh, Michael Legg. I'm just here, though, aren't I? I'm not really replacing. I'm just here. But that's I'm what... just here and she's not here. That's it. Yeah, but you have a real here to you. So you have much a lot hair. more. So much here. When you're I looked at me. the list at 10.35 on Sunday night mm-hmm. of who could have the maximum here and also the most likely availability... Oh, yes. oh, oh, yeah. The yeah. shaded no. area between availability yeah. and hearness was beautiful mm-hmm. and in a thick, thick pencil for you, Michael Legg. Thanks and the much. thing that's a real pity about the fact that Josie's not doing this is not having the hearness of Michael Legg here, which is a mm-hmm. delight, is the fact yeah. that uh, we have someone who has written a, what is described as a water biography because it is uh, uh, so much about swimming. And of course, Josie, for those regular listeners, will know it's often talking about cold water swimming and swimming adventures and inviting people to swim, but she can't be here. Yeah, uh, but we have the wonderful Jenny Landreth. Hello. And we still also have uh, Stuart Lee. I'm still here from last week. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go in a bit. But this is just, Jenny, before we get on to talking about Swell, which just hasn't it just won an award or been... There's... It's the Sunday Times Sports Book of the Year, last 2017, which continuously surprises me that I've written a sports book because I don't really do... I mean, swimming is a sport, which really... Who knew? I didn't mm. know that, but it is. So it won that prize. And it was nominated for the William Hill Sports Book of the Year, but it didn't win that. But I got to do, I got, I got given a bet, which I have now placed. Yes, William Hill give you a free bet, which I've now placed. So I'm going to my first ever football match. 
on Saturday to see if my bet is successful or not. Wow. Taken advice. I love accent because I, I mentioned about, I was at some uh, interview in, I can't remember which Irish newspaper it was, and they asked me about sport. And I said, I only really like sports that are kind of two people. So I, I love watching pub-based sports, which have been elevated to become, you know, so darts and snooker. And then I just got an invitation saying, we're doing an international snooker competition. Would you like to come? We've heard you like snooker. And I go, again, I don't ever think of myself within any form of sports arena. You're now a sports but, journalist. But now, that makes you a sports commentator. Oh, this now. is amazing. You can add that to your, CV, your long CV, Robin. I never felt more alpha. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that went quickly. I've only a moment of alpha. Yeah. But the, the, one of the reasons that Stu stayed here, and I think this is really delightful, I was just talking about wonderful moments of synchronicity that uh, occur on the show. For instance, uh, when Tanita Tickram went into a bag and she started pulling out a book and said, oh, it's a book in poetry and you probably don't know it. And I said, is it The Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter? And she went, what? You know this book too? Who and we, did that? This was Tanita Tickram. The singer? Yeah, yeah. Right. She's had a fantastic collection of books, really wonderful things. Um, and it was that moment. And I went, not only was she surprised, but I said, but also in the previous podcast, we were just talking about The Monkey's Mask by Dorothy Porter. You, as we were talking about that, went into your, one of your, I imagine the many free tote bags that has been given yeah. to you for subscribing to something or using Actually, something. Actually, mine's a Thames Baths tote bag, so it says swim on it, so I am branded through and through. I'm like a stick of rock. I even have branded tote bags. And it's a brand. lovely swim hat you've got on yeah, for this as well. Yeah, thank you. Really my special costume, going. I thought I'd really go for it today. But you pulled out, the first book that came out of your bag was? Uh, Pond Life, A Swimmer's Journal by Al Alvarez. And? Not only have you made me realise that both Stu and me in the previous podcast mispronounced his name. Oh, maybe I've mispronounced it. We just went with Alvarez, but I think Alvarez is better, more dignified. And Stu, you have in the middle of the book... Here's a letter to him in 1963 from the poet Rosemary Tonks. That is... Asking him to review her book, which I found in this book without knowing it was there. That is... That is synchronicity. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you want me to... Shall I read it out loud? Yeah, if you like. Dear Mr. Alvarez, Alvarez, I wanted to send this to you. There is a good deal of poetry in it, and I'm afraid it might, may get passed over by ordinary novel reviewers for this reason. Is there any chance of your reviewing it? It's great. Which is it's, I probably the... what poet, poets are still writing to novel reviewers yeah. all over the country by as email, we speak. Though. Yes. With a smiley face at the end. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we should say that with Stu as well, that you were talking about one of her novels that you haven't managed to get hold of yet. Yeah, well. Uh, called, is it Flounder, the Flounder or the Flounder? the Flounder? And I think what we should do is we should all get together. Because you can get it online. It's quite expensive. I think we should have a group no. between a few of us and we will all share the book at different okay, times. Yeah. And I think that'd be nice also because you said that Richard Herring was having a go at you. But and that gives me the money. perfect time to say that I won pointless and he didn't. So there we go, a double whammy <laughs> against Herring there. All right, great. <laughs> to be fair, it was Kate Williams, the historian, who knew the most about the cocoa-growing countries, and I don't think we'd have got a pointless answer without her. Mate, you knew everything about Sid Barrett's initials. Yeah, I knew everything so about much. Sid Barrett's initials. What a great round that was on well, Sid I'm going to go initials. now and take my letter from Al Alvarez. <laughs> And we will now, the two campaigns we have is we have the campaign to get the monkey's mask reprinted, which was originally from Serpent's Tale, but no longer owns the rights. So with yeah. that Dorothy Porter's uh, uh, pro, uh, poetic novel uh, should be out again. And we're going to buy the flounder yeah. and we're going to share the book amongst us. It might be cheaper to pay for it to be republished. Than to, uh, nice to see you. Yes, you too, Stuart. See you again. Podcast. Yeah. You can leave during yeah. that. I, was, I'm not, <laughs> I might just go I off at some point. It's right. almost yeah. like when Mike Reed left the stage during the Chevy Chase yeah, event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounded rather splendid. Yeah. So now 
Ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, Stuart Lee's Hitchcockian cameo performance. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, I'd just try and get most of Stuart Lee's backpack out of my face. <laughs> yeah. I uh, oh, I wish we could talk. Unfortunately, this is not a Chevy Chase, Mike Reed-based podcast. Or a, po- or a celebrity pointless one, because I thought you were excellent, could I very just say. Good, oh, very good, Very, very good. I was very so proud of you. Seriously. Yeah, I saw you being all nervous. You were taking it quite well, seriously. Well, I don't normally do telly because I'm not made for it and I haven't got the right face for it, but now I'm a sports journalist. But you and always, alpha. Yeah. You always write into quizzes and stuff and try and get on them. No, you're thinking of you and Macintosh. Well, whoever. Uh, the, um, but it was what was nice was my son for 18 months has been saying that he knows I can't have won because if I'd won, because it was 18 months ago we oh. filmed it, which is why I had more hair then. And it was, uh, uh, he said, I would have definitely found the, the uh, trophy by now. I'd have definitely, and I was, unfortunately, I couldn't watch it, but he watched it with my dad and apparently spent a lot of time going, oh no! And putting his, his oh, hand how, over his eyes how thinking, how's he? dad going to do? He's 10, 10 years old and he got... God, uh, ripe for embarrassment, that's great. But to wait for 18 months yeah. to then go, and now... Here is, and I've given him the trophy and he can keep it in his room next to his uh, TARDIS console. Do you have to share that trophy? No, 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 your... we got one each. Oh, that's, the, the, that's, the, the charity that's money got shared. Production values. But it was, uh, um, yeah, so the, I, w- I will mention the charities. It was uh, Kate Williams was uh, Medicine Sans Frontier, which is fantastic. And uh, my choice was Sophie Lancaster Foundation, which I'm sure I've talked about before on this podcast, but it's a really... Great uh, organisation run by the mother of Sophie Lancaster, who was uh, murdered uh, and is one of those things where her and her friends and the way that they've come together to uh, make something positive that came out of something so tragic and hideous. is It's just one of those really beautiful small charities that came from horror, unfortunately. But anyway... Uh, that's enough of my... I'll never go on telly again. I mean, I'll never be asked again. No. I mean, literally, in the space of two weeks, people have seen me have a magnetic pulse to my head that stopped me talking and have seen me rabbiting on, desperate to try and wonder whether Bolivia was a pointless answer. And I think that is probably all the telly people would ever want from me. Richard Herring ever had his brain zapped live no. on telly? No. He's never no. had a magnetic pulse to the left-hand side. Sure, to the way motor ahead of that guy. I do all the fancy... Alpha-based mm-hmm. telly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Jenny, d- d- let's start yes. just on your book before we go on to... And um, then we will go to Al, uh, Alvarez's book. Yeah. Um, water biography, give us the background of where this comes from. This this love of of, of swimming, this, the, you know, the love of the Lido. The lo- the, well, it's the love of the Lido, really. That's what it, that's where it started from. I, start, I didn't really properly learn to swim until my late 40s. I could do that funny, you know, kind of diddling around with my head up pretending it was exercise, but I never really got any pleasure from it because actually it's really not pleasurable. Um, So all my friends, all of them, we'd drop our kids at school and then they'd all go off to Tooting Lido because they were all all the alpha sports journalist commentator types. They'd have always been picked for a team and I was never picked for a team. I was arts and crafts. I, I wasn't sporty. So they always used to invite me and I just used to go, oh, I'm really busy reading Heat magazine or something, you know, and that, so I wouldn't go. And then one day I thought, fuck it, I'm going to go. And that was it. And in fact, I saw a friend of mine at the weekend. She went, you came and you swam a width and then really you never got out. So since that time, I've just um, found something in the Lido that uh, mm. really works for me. And then <laughs> uh, I have a 22-year-old son and he said to me the other day, mum, if we hadn't been so dreadful, you'd have never have needed the Lido as an escape from all of us. So you should be really mm. glad. So, yeah, yes, this is, you know, kind of a homage to my dreadful family. 
for <laughs> <laughs> get me in the water. And the um, you said you you were surprised that it's it's really interesting. It, I mean, I think I think it's one of those kind of slightly idiosyncratic areas where suddenly people again in the same way that you didn't know how much you actually wanted to be in the water. Yeah, people kind of go well, water biography. Eh, well, this might be a bit, and then it seemed to have really caught people's imagination. It's it's well, read quite, by a far broader people, number of people than yeah, because, those on some you know, lounges. Because it's kind of, a bit, you know, it can be an allegory for all sorts of things because actually getting the rights to swim, you know, really references our getting our rights to vote as well. So swimming, having swimming suffrage reflects what women were allowed to do uh, in society generally. So that, you know, you can, you can draw all sorts of parallels with it. But actually everybody, I think it's a bit like singing. You know when people say, oh, I've been singing since I was three. Well, you know, everybody sings when they're three, so that's no great big thing. Right, yeah. But, and then people say, oh, I, I think the same applies to swimming and water. I think everybody's got some kind of relationship with water. Sometimes it might be, I hate it and I'll never go near it. But that too is a relationship. So I think actually everybody can draw some draw something about their own lives and their own experiences from talking about swimming generally. Well, and swimming's a really pop, you know, it, it's it's idiosyncratic, but actually not because swimming features in so many books and and stories and novels and fiction and poems because it we're out of our element, so it jumbles your thoughts up and puts them into a new order. Um. Let's go through then some of. Uh, obviously, there are some swimming books I can see in the. Uh, I've only bought all swimming books. swimming books. In fact, yep. Let's start off. Just with read the... a great crime fiction novel, but I thought I should just stick to swimming books. I'm so sorry that Josie's. Well, Michael, do you do much swimming? Well, here's the thing. Um, I, I I suffer from exactly what you were just talking about. Thinking I can swim. I can swim. Do you know why? Because I used to swim as a child. I can swim. But, of course, I couldn't swim as a child. What I could do was not drown. Yes, you could kind and of I, get yourself through yeah, water. Yeah, and I cannot drown. So far, I've done that, I think, pretty well. Uh, sorry, your microphone's broken. I've done this. But, it looks like a big lollipop and I've broken the yes. lollipop. What I like is that, obviously, uh, you heard that uh, Michael had arthritis and you've been disappointed by his lack of creaking. So mm. you deliberately started yeah. fiddling with your microphone <laughs> so sorry. to add the yeah. effect <laughs> of, of Michael of your creaking. Joints, as if it so was that you... was not Michael yeah. creaking, that yeah. was actually the spit guard yeah. being manoeuvred. Yeah. It's the medicine I'm on, I don't creak anymore. Yeah. It's terrible, <laughs> terrible. But the thing is, I, I, I went swimming about two years ago. I thought, I'm gonna, now I'm going to get into this. Yeah. And I don't know when the last time was that you went swimming, Rob. And actually, it's probably not that long ago, but I, I, I put so much energy and I went such a short distance. I was like, why am I exhausted? Why am I nearly dead? And I've swam five feet. Yeah. <laughs> this is apparently there's a technique. There yeah. is a technique. Yeah. It's all down to good technique. But yeah. you know what? Here's an amazing thing. You can get lessons. Yeah, that's even what I've heard. if you're yeah. fifty five, fifty six I am, and I right. still get lessons. Because mm. you know, it's really good to, it's actually a really good thing to do. Oh yeah. To learn how to be better at something when you're not 13 because you yeah. take it kind of seriously and it, and sometimes you feel a bit like bunking off like you used to at school but it's really great to actually think oh I can I can perform this to a modicum of ability I don't have to be yeah. shit yeah, can both both my sisters could swim but I never really learned because weirdly enough my mum and dad couldn't really swim oh no mine well no, so... my mum definitely couldn't swim but I only found out I mean my parents never took a swimming I grew up when at the time when parents didn't do that kind of thing. If you wanted to go swimming, you went on your own, even if you were five. You know, you just went swimming. We came home from school by ourselves every day on the bus, and we were like four and six. But 
Nobody came to pick us up from school. Nobody took us places. If we wanted to go there, we went there ourselves. So because parenting wasn't a verb in those days, it was, um, so you, you know, right. you didn't get involved. Parents didn't get involved in the things their kids liked. That was crazy talk. Do you not swim then, Rob? Because, no, I go, you... I go to the wave machine pool in oh, Deal right. with my son because he wants to go there every day and he just goes down the slide when, when we go down because obviously Deal's a popular location for holidays for us because it's on the Kent coast and near Charles mm. Hawtrey's house. Because you are um, surprisingly, <laughs> I mean surprisingly, almost shockingly sporty for someone who's you. Because, I mean, when you think of Robin, you think, oh, he's that guy with a dust collection and he's really into his cardigan awareness yeah. seminars. But you like, I mean, when you told me you did boxing training, I was like, are you actually, what? An, are you actually an Iron Man? Oh Robin, no, 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 no! But what I am is because when I go touring with Brian Cox, quite often he he wants to go training every single day, and I think he thought it would destroy me uh, very quickly. And I thought we thought, oh, that'd be quite fun. Robin will die, and because uh, he's always fascinated <laughs> about the heat, because it gives me a chance to, to know what the heat death of the universe would be like by just seeing it in the form of a speckly thing covered in <laughs> lamb's wool. And uh, <laughs> and then I could actually lift the weights and do stuff. And I explained to him after I said, you have to remember that I tour, and in every town I go to, I go into an Oxfam or I go into a second-hand bookshop, and I think I only need one book. Then I buy 30 books, and then I'm travelling for the next week as a you know as, as the mule of a human that I am, yeah. weighed down by by old yeah. hardback books about you know the ethnopsychiatry, the, Mo, the Harvey people, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I do at least have a level of stamina that I think took him by surprise. But I quite enjoyed it. Boxing training was fascinating. There could, be, a, there could be an exercise video. Do you think you could kind of be the new Davina McCall somehow? You could have a little exercise range. That she would will not be... give up on that. Yeah. I have. I rung her up. I said, can I? She said, I'm still very much keeping yeah. the title for the time being. <laughs> I can just see, you know, comedian on tour exercise video of how to, you know, how to carry your books around to the most aerobic for the most aerobic benefit. I think Robin might be one of the very few comedians that walks around with that amount of books. Really? It is silly. Yeah. Yeah. But the I, I think if Brian was involved as well, so you need the eye candy doing his bit. Yeah. And then people go, well, I could never do it because yeah. eye candy physicists can do it. Yeah. And then I'd lumber on, you know. You're, and, you're uh, representing ordinary man. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't even be that specific in terms of oh, okay. uh, sex and gender. Okay. I think a lot of men really have asked me to leave that particular yeah. group. I've been, <laughs> been letting them down. So yeah. ordinary... uh, some kind of average human okay. shape. Okay. That's, I think, what I am. Okay. So the first, sorry, sorry. Yeah. The, um, uh, now, yeah, Al Alvarez, Pond Life. Yes, I, and in fact, I only added this to my bag this morning because I have got a... <gasps> That's even better. I know, better. which is even better. It was literally the last one I added because I was looking at my bookshelves and I've got some really weird swimming books. I have got most swimming books. The one I most like reading on the tube, if I want to be left alone, is I've, I've got a book called The Eternally Wounded Woman. And I, oh God, I love reading. I don't actually read that book, but I, it's one of those ones that you want an actual book inside it so it's your cover so that nobody will possibly approach you if you're reading a book called The Eternally Wounded Woman because they just assume that you'll cry on them or shout at them or something. So um, I do have a very strange collection of swimming books. but I put... Sorry, no, we can't stop that. Okay. The Eternally Wounded Woman, what is this book? It's I... a book about uh, w- women in exercise in the 19th century, 19th, 20th century. Um, and how, uh, 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 yeah, that's what it is, uh, a book about exercise. This Destroy reminds book me about of, like the flounder, the book that Stuart Lee was after, the book that I, I still don't know if it really exists, but it was Paul Putner who told me, and he said there's definitely a book from the 1930s called Hobbies for the Bedbound, 
and I've been desperate to find that but and I've looked and it and it you know it's for you know a period of time where you know being poorly there were a lot of people being quite poorly and here were hobbies if you if you couldn't mate and I've it's that's such a, a that's a that doesn't the idea of writing about doing a jigsaw doesn't kind of fill you think that's definitely a book I've, that's definitely going to be a bestseller I think they'll go beyond jigsaws Do you I, I think it's going to be intriguing a rear hobby. yeah yeah and you think anything that uh, a bed tray can you know handle so hobbies for the bed bound that that's your second uh quest uh listeners sorry yes yes pond so life. i've put pond life in uh Al, alvarez now i'm really unsure about pronouncing that now um it's written it's um obviously he's a poet and writer uh and he has just done a diary of his uh swimming life at hampstead ponds quite a lot has been written about hampstead ponds particularly recently and i don't particularly want to get drawn into that but um, he just writes a really lovely diary. Um, swimming writing is quite a difficult thing, I think, because on one hand, you've got people like me going, I got in the water, I swam a bit, it was cold, and out I get. Um, and then on the other hand, on the, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got very spiritual, meaningful relationships. The water, you know, helps you realise your womanly ways. And so um, that seems to me the, to be the two ends of swimming writing. And I tend to like things that are slap bang in the middle that aren't too uh you know meaningful and self-discovery and spiritual but equally have a little bit more detail than i might choose to write myself and this one absolutely sits slap bang in that he doesn't he doesn't really talk very much about how he's feeling which is great because really who cares but what he does talk about is just um his daily experience of going to the ponds who he talks to um, that he gets in the water and gets out again. Little side things that happen, people who haven't turned up because they're ill. So you gradually, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a part work. You gradually build a whole picture of his life and his friends and his uh, daily experience. And, of course, you kind of get a sense of how seasons change and how the pond changes in the year without being too nature writery because I think that also falls into the across that spectrum. So the next water-based book. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to go. Okay, that one's in a diary format, and we love diary formats. I love diary formats. Mm-hmm. The next one is I've suddenly realised that a lot of the swimming writing I really really like is poems, because you don't get any of the extraneous bullshit. And I really am not a poem kind of a person. Um, I don't sit and read, you know, I love the idea of being one of those people who sits and reads poetry, but I'm just not that person. I kind of wander off and go and do something else. But this, uh, my next one is called Swims by Elizabeth Jane Burnett, and it's penned in the margins publication. And it's a long poem about swimming. Um, She, it's in the way that uh, we'll have to talk about Waterlog or have to mention it, I suppose, because it's the famous swimming book, although it's not, you'll notice, on my pile. She does a, a similar thing in that she swims up and down the country in various different formats. But this is a very poetic take on it. Um, uh, she, it's described as political and personal. But I think, you know, so much, cont- if you're writing in a contemporary way, you kind of are political, aren't you? Mr. Alvarez is political, whether he sets out to be or not. When you start talking about these things, you're invariably political. It's just a really lovely, slim volume about swimming. Um, Elizabeth Jane Burnett is her name. Can I have a little look at that one? Yeah. I, and I, I went to see her. I went to the launch of this and, and um, it was on a boat. 
because, you mm. know, water. Yeah. Water was all around us and we were not allowed to swim it because it was the Thames. And she did a little performance and she did a performance with people from the who were upstairs in the bar walking past her um, to go to the toilet. And she managed, and I thought, a lesser person mm. would have been distracted by that. Not you, Michael, because no. you're I'm, I'm, you're a professional, one might almost you. say. Almost say thank, that. Yeah, yeah, people have almost said yeah. it to me. Yeah. Um, so, But she coped brilliantly with people just walking backwards and forwards in front of her and was a compelling and rather wonderful performer, which I think is a very good test of what she's written. So that's my second choice. Poetry, reading poetry about swimming is a really good thing. Who Again... Who knew? I feel slightly in awe of this really already because I feel like I'm missing out by not swimming, which I suppose is the point of of this. Michael, you are. I really well. I really, but but I think I think you and I we'd agree with this. If you want to get us interested in this sort of thing, if it's got poetry, if it's got a novel involved, if it's yeah, if it's if it's got an album about it, if it's a documentary, we're in. Yeah. Don't know why I haven't been observing <coughs> swimming. Uh, sometimes in the Lido, because um, I swim at Tooting Lido and there's mm-hmm. a sauna there in the winter. And sometimes in the sauna, it's like we're all, like, there's more people who are Arts Council funded in there than not. Mm. It's a it's a thing that seems to attract creative people. So really, yeah. you, if you want to be seen as a creative person, Michael, you need to get swimming. Why don't we both do it together? We've oh. both got scabby old skin and we'll yeah. both be all out of breath before we've even finished the width. And at the very least, people will go, oh, look, Jim Henson's puppet workshop for trying out two swimming models. Let's see how that works. Um, the, the poet, by the way, is Liz Bentley. Oh, okay. And uh, I haven't seen it in a very long time. And the, the, the screen of knowledge has also delivered the fact that Thankful Villages, yes, it is based around the First World War. So okay. it, was, it was during uh, the First World War, the Great War. Um, so that's the next book on the... Uh, the next book is called Watermarks, and it's written by Lido Lovers and Wild Swimmers. It's a book that was published at Pell's Pool, or, or via Pell's Pool. Um, a woman called Tanya Shadrick took up the job um, last year, I think it was. I'm not very good on my years. Um, to be the writer-in-residence at Pell's Pool, which I don't know if you uh, either of you know Pell's Pool in Lewis. It's the oldest spring-fed uh, Lido in the country. And it's just a really amazing space. Um, just in Lewis, you know, that's mm-hmm. what they... Uh, anyway, so she worked... She was a writer-in-residence there for a year and wrote something called a, um, a mile... She did a mile of writing on, on writing scrolls called Wild Patience. Um, she just sat under a tree and wrote and swam and wrote and people came and talked to her. Um, and at the same time as she was doing that, she also collated uh, with another woman called Rachel Playforth this book called Watermarks, which is a collection of poems and short stories by people who volunteered their writing. Um, and there's lot. I, I like little collections like this because if you don't like one thing, you'll like the next thing. It's got some pieces, you know, You can't, obviously you're not going to like every single piece. But it, uh, the reason I think it's particularly great um, is because it's, it's, the whole thing's dedicated to a woman called Lynn Roper, um, who died last year, um, who was part of the formation of Outdoor Swimming Society, which is, re- you know, quite important if, you, if you're an open water swimmer. That, that society is a really good forum for uh, events and discussions, whatever. And Lynn was uh, an integral part of it. But also she was a great, she was a really good writer about swimming. Really, a, a really dynamic and very fun, lovely woman. 
uh, who sadly died of brain cancer last year. And there's a couple of pieces in here of hers. And Tanya is actually collating her writings together into an, uh, uh, a book that will be published this year, hopefully. So um, if nothing else, it's got two great pieces by Lynn in it. And it's also got a lot of other really good pieces. Um, as I say, some you'll love, some mm -hmm. you'll like less. Uh, and poems and all, all by swimming swimmers. Uh, it's collated into rivers, sea, lidos. Um, so, yeah, watermarks. Can I have a look at that one? Yeah. I'm not sure who's published it, actually, but... Um, the Frogmore Press. There you go. And you can also go to pearlspool.org.uk. And the genre is anthology slash literature. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... Honestly, Pels is, if you live in London, Pels is a really great day out on a lovely sunny day. Little train, Clapham Junction, down to Pels, lovely swim, very nice ice cream shop in Lewis, home again. Oh, and it has yet a, a piece by Lynn Roper, yes, Spitchwick. Spitchwick, what a name. Yeah. That's what we we had. We were just having a quick look at some of the names of the uh, thankful villages. And there is there, Spitchwick. Honey and I popped over to Spitchwick this morning. It's a warmish autumn day, a slightly chill breeze. There's still some heat in the sun, which pops out occasionally from behind puffy grey and clouds, illuminating the ponies grazing on the common by the river. You can smell their gorgeous horsey scent, and in Honey's case, the mouth-watering whiff of tottering heaps of steaming dung. Honey is a dog, I should, yeah. I should add at this point. No, I, I presume that it was, that it was uh, child or friend. I did initially, Honey and I, it was definitely her child. By the steaming dung, I was you were, you at were the very least on a 50-50 yeah. as to whether it was a child or pet. The, uh, and yes, and it's broken up into uh, sea and river and... Uh, yeah, it's you great. See, I mean, the, and these kind of books, I love the fact... There's so many small presses out there now yeah. and that are... Um, sometimes as well, small presses, there's one called uh, Little Toller Press that seems to bring out things like, I think it was Little Toller who brought, brought out Edward Ardizzoni's, um, uh, the, the great illustrator Edward Ardizzoni, uh, did two books called The Local and Back to the Local. And uh, one was the 1930s, one was, uh, I think, the 1950s. And just beautiful little illustrations of local pubs and the saloon bar and the public bar. And the original, I think the original plates for them were actually lost in the war. They were, when it was bombed, the original plates, and, and I think it was Little Toller Press got that. And a beautiful um, one illustrated by Eric Revillius, who's having this incredible uh, renaissance now, Eric Revillius, um, uh, and uh, it's just of the high street. This wonderful little book about all the shops in the high street. You think, yeah, you don't walk past letter makers anymore, do you? No. And oh, you know, and, and the different ones. I know yeah. there are still church clothing shops and all that kind of thing. But it's Eric Revillius who, uh, yeah, who I think died when he was thirty-seven. And if you go down to the gallery in Eastbourne, which I think is currently struggling for money from the council, I forget the name of the gallery, the art gallery in Eastbourne, but it is one of those fantastic local art galleries that has a lot of celebration as well of. You know, work from around the world, but has a celebration of those artists, Eric Revillius and similar from that school. Uh, and I love the fact that these small presses are finding out that if you, uh, you know, if there's enough people that are prepared to support it, you only you only need a few hundred, and you can now bring out yes, really some of lovely the... uh, Hoxton Press is one I really really love, and books that you know probably would probably wouldn't get picked up by a, a massive conglomerate publisher, but they you know they do they publish picks of well. The one I particularly love, of course, is of people coming out of the cold water at London, uh, warm water in the in the cold at London Fields, Lido. Um, you know, so I can't imagine a penguin or a transworld or somebody else picking that up. But it's a fantastic thing uh, that Hoxton Press do it and do it brilliantly. Take great photos, real quality. It's a it's lovely. Love it.
Support your independent publishers, support your independent bookshops. I, I will mention today, in fact, too, that I recently did uh, little talks and signings at Lingham's uh, Booksellers, uh, who are just a little bit out of uh, Liverpool, and uh, the Big Green Bookshop. I don't know if oh, you've I been there. Yes, in, in I Wood haven't Green. been there, but I followed them on Twitter, so I find, uh, yeah, I know what they're doing most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will mention others as well at yeah. the time, but that, that is, uh, that they're, they're too recommended today. There's also a fascinating, sorry, I, I know this is, I shouldn't be talking about this, but Eric Revillius' son, James Revillius. Um, I was just around my dad's and I saw this. He was a fantastic photographer of rural life and farming in the West Country. And again, it's one of those things where it seems that very few people knew about him. And unfortunately, he, he, he died. And, and it's, uh, yeah, it's just uh, with certain photographers, there's something where you know that they've caught the trust that the person has in them taking yeah. images of their life. So I can't remember the name of James Rebellius's book. Uh, but it is a, a, a collection of images of, of rural life. And thank you very much to Screen of Knowledge. It is the Towner Art Gallery in Eastbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your council yeah. that you, you really deserve as much funding. It's a great gallery. Sorry. The thing I think about small independent presses as well is that if you if you buy something from them and you read them, you feel a, you, you really feel a sense of... Uh, not, not ownership, but uh, you, you feel like you're kind of all in it together somehow that... Um, that you feel more connected to it than you might do if it's just something that comes out. I mean, I, from a big publishing house, maybe. I read a book recently that was published by Fleet, which is a, which is a, an independent publisher. Um, and then that book went on and was sold to a much bigger one. And I felt really celebratory that I'd kind of been part of that journey. Of course, I wasn't. I was just a reader. Um, but it still felt... Uh, I, I still was really pleased that this book that I'd read and loved had got picked up. And I, I, I don't think I'd have felt that if that if it had just been published by Penguin to start with, I wouldn't have felt the same connection with it. So, And that's why it is important to celebrate them as well, because yeah. it's in, in this little bibliophiliac kind of... Uh, bibliophiliac, I made that sound like it's an illness, didn't mm. I? The thinning of the pages. No, you know, bibliophile, whatever. It's that it is... Uh, we need to remember that there are people who are interested in all these small presses, but it very often doesn't get... There's so many books out there that people just don't... Won't know they exist unless you go read this. Yeah, buy I this. think I think some things like Twitter have really helped that though, because it's kind of democratized it all a bit. So you don't you don't if you if you carefully curate your Twitter timeline, you don't just get deluged by the big publishers. You you get more information about people who are, you know, doing unbound stuff or trying to you know, fund trying to fundraise for for self publishing, and you just kind of get more into that. I think that's been a really good. Uh, use of Twitter is finding out more. Of, oh my God, I've forgotten how to speak. Um, we all do eventually, <laughs> Michael. As no, I'm yeah. saying. I'll be honest with you. I've just been sitting here, just sort of enjoying this. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, is this you what are. Josie does. I know. Well, Josie yeah. wouldn't have worn the armbands, but that was a no. lovely touch. Well, by you. do you know what? Just be in character. I thought yeah. for the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there should be some sort of competition where one of your listeners wins this. That wins basically to replace me. To just sit here and quietly go, oh, this is nice. Yeah. You need to eat an apple <laughs> at some really point nice. right near the microphone. Oh, yeah, that is true. Josie's grand yeah. tradition. But that, I, yeah. I will just mention one other thing, which is when people are recommending books, uh, on, is that normally the first thing that comes up when you look at a book is the Amazon link. And uh, it is worth trying to make sure that, the, 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 the personally, yes. this is a personal it, thing, yeah. but to give people, so don't just go straight to that shop. You know, very often you can yeah. find a publisher's link or another kind of link that means that then people will go, they might not just go to Amazon. I know Amazon's really useful and all that kind of it's stuff. It's really tricky because as a, nice as a, think as a writer, other... you want to sell your books. Yeah. Um, so, for, you know, you want to sell them to as many people as can possibly 
buy them. And I really understand the kind of anti-Amazon sentiment. But at the same time, I want to sell books. So Yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm know, not it's, even it's, saying anti-Amazon. Yeah. So it's not to say that because people will more often than not probably go there. But just to be pro yeah. the possibility. Yeah. Of, but I know what you mean. When, when the Infinite Monkey Cage book came out, which is still available. Uh, <laughs> From Amazon. I, I found that yeah. really hard. Yeah. I, I don't think I did ever use that as, as a link. But I also knew... Perhaps that will jeopardise the fact that uh, the Infinite Monkey Cage book is still available. Is uh, um, you know that we'll get a second <laughs> chance to do do it. Yeah, and I, I mean we all know, we all know that if you go to a bookshop to buy your books, you then invariably catch your eye with something else. So you know, which is great. You go somewhere like Bookseller on the um, Bookseller on the Hill in um, Crystal Palace. They really know. Oh, what they're that's doing. great! Yeah, I did yeah, think you know. there as well. Yeah, so. You will always find something. You think, mm. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that. Didn't know about that. Whatever. And that's the whole point, isn't it? So. And that was yeah. I, the, the the talk I did there was like an audience with, like a proper ITV show. There was oh, Jim yeah. Bob from Carter and wow. Mark Steele. Yeah. Wow. Mark wow. Steele, you've got a question. Do the rehearsed one so I can do the anecdote. Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now you have got the the, the penultimate on your pile is one yeah. that I gave Josie actually last year, and uh, I haven't read, but I, I saw it in a bookshop, and I thought I have to. Uh, so which one? Oh, that? I love this book. It's called uh, Swimming Studies by Leanne Shapton, and um, it's just again she's got a tone that I really really like. She's quite dry. She's talking about the process of swimming without... She doesn't go on about it, even though uh, she's an Olympic swimmer. So that's... Or or she was training to be in the Olympics and then didn't quite make it, didn't quite make the times. So it's about that. It's about success and failure, about, you know, the relentless hours. If you train for something like that, oh, my God, it just sounds like a dreadful, dreadful nightmare. Uh, But obviously, you know, if if you're into it, I suppose it's nice. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's about... It's about all the extraneous stuff as well. Like in the middle, she's got a section which I absolutely love, which is all her swimming costumes from all the time with just tiny little captions on them. She's the woman who did um, the book where it was, she detailed a relationship breaking up. I can't remember what it's called. She detailed a relationship breaking up and all the objects and who got what object. And it's like it's called the Museum of a Broken Relationship or something like that. Um, and it's just finding treasure in those tiny little things and tiny moments and really prosaic, ordinary, everyday stuff and turning it into something with depth. I haven't mm. used that word when we talk about swimming books. Uh-huh. like to, you know, get all the cliches in. Good. Um, I, haven't said I did we, arm we, bands. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> did all of it, yeah. We haven't dipped into anything yet, have we, or made a splash, You just we? poured some water. That yeah. was swimmy. That was yeah. good. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh it's 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 an art it's an artist's book about swimming without any of the wankiness that that might suggest. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Although swimming she painting? Put, she hasn't put that on the front without any of the wankiness that Less wanky than other books you were yeah. expecting. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I I expected to hear that question from you a lot earlier, not just today, like literally since I met you. Have you got your favorite swimming painting? That yeah. seems to me like the opening five gambits from Robin Inns. Well, of course, yeah, yeah. the first... <laughs> yeah. The trouble is I can't get through my head. I can't get out of a bigger splash. So I've just got that stuck in my head. The Hockney one. Yeah, of course. Mm. Not only the other bigger splashes. No, no, no. Not the one I, I did, which was terrible. Well, it was a big splash. Yeah. That was not the splash we <laughs> no. were expecting. Rubbish. Well, we've almost run out of time. So oh, we have to get okay. to the final one. Uh, the final one is a lovely book. It's called uh, Floating A Life Regained by Joe Minahane. And... He, uh, I love this book. It's written after 
waterlogged by Roger Deakin. He has used that. Uh, Joe has used used using youth swimming as a way to help him deal with his anxiety, um, and decided to follow Roger Deakin's footsteps, swimming strokes across the UK, um, and do his own version of it, uh, um, and see what happened to his anxiety as he went. Um, and again, it's. Uh, it's just it's it's slightly more honest than Roger Deakin. I'm I'm not I'm, it sounds really bad to say this. I'm not a massive fan of Waterlog, but although you're supposed to be if you swim, you're supposed to love Waterlog as your favorite book. But it's not my favorite book. It's slightly too airy fairy for me. It's a bit nature writing-y for me. And this is the the journey without any of that overblown stuff. Without any of the ego actually. Joe has not brought ego into this book. Uh, it's a really great description of modern Britain um, with added anxiety. There you I go. think that's going to be my next... I'm going to read it because at the moment I haven't got right into the water. At the moment I'm on narrowboat books. <gasps> but I think I'm getting nearer to the water. I definitely am after today. And especially once you said, with added anxiety. When, yeah. well, hello. Yeah. well, any book that you read has <laughs> yeah. added anxiety yeah, yeah, yeah. by the mere fact you've I opened it. I just write it, it yeah, right yeah, on yeah. in there if it's in there or not. Well, mm. I can really recommend this one. Great. And Joe's are just a lovely, self-effacing, funny, smart, just a great guy. Really, really like his writing. Really like it. Well, your book, Swell, A Water Biography, is uh, available now in, out in all paperback. good books yeah. and out in paperback. In about two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, Michael, uh, depending on how long Josie's ill for, yeah. uh, we may well see you. Have you got another recommendation? We talked about I Hate the Internet, which you, you're currently reading when, when Stuart was on. Have you got anything Do else? Do you know what? I did want to talk about something with the last podcast, but um, but we're running out of time. And also, a lot of people find it very trivial. I do not find it very trivial at all. Right. I've got really into very old Marvel comics, and they are amazing. Uh, when you were talking about comics, I just I really want to talk about the death of Gwen Stacy. It's as good as I remember it. It's honestly... How, how old's really old in I'd this? I'd say it's 72. Maybe... Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, imagine. Brilliant. Imagine. Yeah, it's honestly, it's really, really... It's utterly fantastic, and it's, it, it, it's very heavy-handed. Of course it is as a comic, but... But there's so much stuff in it, like, um, hey, there's a, an, a, a march for equality going on at the at the high school. Hey, you're coming along, aren't you, Peter Parker? Well, I can't tell him that Dr. Octopus is just a... <laughs> what? You, is equality not good enough for you? Not important enough for you? Oh, if only I could tell them the truth. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Oh, I love Peter Parker. What a constant struggle. My old Marvel that I've been enjoying was I picked up at the, at the Comic Exchange in Notting Hill. They had uh, Jack Kirby's adaptation of Stanley Kubrick's 2001. That's oh. a lot of fun. Uh, mm. I could never be a superhero. I realised that the other day. Not merely oh, due, really? not, not, not for physical or health reasons, but that as well. Yeah. But it's the fact that I could never keep it in. I'm one of those people that if oh, I yeah. saved everyone, I would go, I did that. <laughs> you I couldn't not. Um, the, the book I'll recommend, which I picked up from an independent bookshop in Toronto uh, called Ben McNally's, uh, is I hadn't even realised this was out. And it was one of those things where it's Oliver Sacks's kind of what will be his, his final collection, obviously. I think most of them are for the New York Review of uh, Books, New York Times Review. And, and it's um, just beautiful little essays. And the first one is all about Charles Darwin's botany and and uh, what a great botanist he was. And it it just has 
you know, Oliver Sacks writes, you know, I rejoice in the knowledge of my biological uniqueness and my biological antiquity and my biological kinship with all other forms of life. And it has all the beauty you would expect from Oliver Sacks. And it's, it's uh, The River of Consciousness, which is uh, which was uh, his, his friends have been editing and putting together and oh, uh, came out at the end of last year. Thank you very much, Jenny Landreth. Thank you very much, Michael Legg. Thank you oh, very much, thanks listeners. For, thanks for having me. This is a list of people we wanted to thank you for uh, being kind enough to support the podcast. Um, Stephen Gale, Chris Sexton, Kirsty Bell, Michael Lauren, Tom Hardacre, Ed Sylvester, Andy Sherwin and Claire Carroll. We brought in a new series of tiered rewards, including behind-the-scenes stuff, live YouTube Q&As, and a book club with Robin, Josie, and special guests. I am Robin, by the way, but it's the way it's scripted here. Anyway, gig tickets, tote bags, and be a guest on Book Shambles. That is also another possibility. So go to patreon.com forward slash book shambles or cosmicshambles.com. And if you're pledging at one of the reward tiers that uh, gives you a physical reward, like uh, one of the T-shirts or Book Shambles uh, tote bag, something like that, now that we're one month into the second month of having the rewards, your physical rewards will be posted out to you in the next couple of weeks. So thank you for your support and your patience on that. And finally, a last little bit of admin, uh, the book, the Rosemary Tonks book, uh, The Flounder, that uh, Stu was talking about, uh, is not called The Flounder, it's actually called The Bloater. So that's probably not why he can't find it. But uh, if you're looking for it online or you want to buy it for the exorbitant price that it is, uh, that's what it's called. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network. Josie Robbins' Book Shambles was produced by Trent Burton of Trunkman Productions. 